And welcome to another episode of Brocephus and Fred's. I'm your host, Brocephus. And this week, I'm excited to have Mindy Dennis. Mindy, it's good to have you today. It's great to be with you today. You know, I was on my way over here. I was remembering. I was thinking, and um, one of the, I don't remember, you know, when I met you, but one of the first long time ago. Long time ago. But I remember you preaching at, in church, in, um, on Wednesday night in the youth room. And I don't know why I remember this, but you were talking about children, babies, how they need more than just milk mm-hmm. when they get out because if they didn't, their brain would be the size of a pea. <laughs> and I remember, I don't know why, I don't remember anything else about that sermon, but I remember that and I thought, oh. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. That was, um, we were actually doing a study on Paul and he had said that about not being a, a child anymore and developing your faith. And so you're talking about that that also has something to do with um, biology. So uh, if, if you just feed a, a human baby just milk, eventually it's not sufficient anymore. So it's the same thing if you just keep coming to church and like um, learning the same things, going about your life the same way, nothing ever really changes, you sort of become a stunted Christian. So yeah. it was sort of that idea. That's funny. That has been a little bit ago. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. You, I have told people, not many, but I've told people, on, I was talking to Justin on the show, and I've mm-hmm. mentioned this, and you do something that I could never do. <laughs> Tell us a little about what you do. <laughs> well, I do a lot of things. <laughs> I have, so I guess my my title technically is Family Life Buster, which means that um, I do um, children's ministry, which is birth to fifth grade, and then I do adult ministry, so I sort of skip over youth. That's basically (laughs) all. Everybody else, I have my my fingers in all these different pots and doing all kinds of stuff, but children's ministry um, is, uh, technically, it's birth to fifth grade, so it's all those little developmental years there with all the milestones that are happening mm. and parents are trying to figure out what this creature is that God has blessed us <laughs> with, quote unquote. <laughs> and so they uh, I, they sort of looked at the church a little bit for some of that guidance and, and help. So I work in that area and that includes everything from discipleship um, to uh coaching and working with parents to baptisms and then um, also having the privilege of being able to um, uh, preach on occasion as well. So that's also a great perk of my job. I really, I really love that opportunity. Not every children pass, children's pastor has that opportunity. So it's kind of cool. That the children <laughs> part of it, because that is a gift because getting the, the gospel to read well, also dealing with kids. Yeah, that's and, enough right there. Yeah. <laughs> but getting the gospel down, mm-hmm. not so much down, because I think sometimes I heard a quote one time. Gloria Gaither was saying, "People say it's hard. I don't want to teach my kids the hymns, or I don't. I can't teach my kids the hymns because they're it, it's too hard for them to understand." Mm. But she was saying, you know, but that's when you need to teach the hard stuff right. mm-hmm. because if they don't know it then it won't be there that's right in the future so my i that's guess right. my question is how do you mm-hmm. balance dealing with the tough stuff mm-hmm. 
but getting it so they can understand it. You know, um, I, I my background is in education, so um, that's what I have my undergraduate and master's degree in. And a lot of time when you have that background in education, you spend a lot of time trying to make complex things simple. So the idea is that you don't dumb them down mm. or make them less relevant or, or less important, but you make something complex. You take that complex idea and you break it down into simple steps so that you grow them to where you mm. want them to be. Sort of like in my, my background is also in mathematics. And so it's the same type of thing. It's, it's kind of like you build stair steps all the way up to that, um, that goal, which, you know, in mathematics might be something like, um, calculus mm. and the application of trigonometry and all those types of things. So math is hierarchical. I look at developing children's faith a little bit like that. You you take something that is complex, which is spirituality and faith, and you break it down into simple steps so that they hmm. step by step build that stair or that bridge from their humanity to being Christ-like. Hmm. And so it's, it's little steps at a time. Um, so for example, we spend a lot of time um, talking about prayer downstairs. Um, I, I probably, I probably teach on prayer five or six times a year mm. because that is the building block of our faith. We have got to mm. understand mm -hmm. how to pray and why we pray and when we pray, um, that it doesn't have to be this complex thing. It needs to be very pure and kids are beautiful with mm. conversation. They can just talk to the Lord about anything. And sometimes we snatch that away from them by putting all these parameters on it. So we just take that away and say, just tell the Lord what's going on. Mm. And they then open up. And through that, you build them more and more and you teach them more and more. And so that's kind of how my approach mm -hmm. to, to uh, discipling children. That's good. Prayer. Uh, that is mm -hmm. so good. You teach on prayer because it is very important. Very. Because, mm -hmm. And I, I like what you say because even at early age we we say bow your head and and I asked I asked someone one time I said why do they do this I said well keep the hands <laughs> keep their hands from going all Don't around you never I thought it was gonna be some spiritual answer <laughs> but no nope, practical but, yeah, but we do we do that yeah. and I think to let kids you know say hey this is something you know Paul I think it's Paul. Pray without ceasing. That's right. mm -hmm. You know, it's all day long. We we talk to God, yep. as is, and I we can I think, and even as adults mm -hmm. and and um, and teens, we can have this. Oh God, King James verbiage. Yeah, exactly. And it's not necessarily always sincere. Now, some people do pray like that, mm -hmm. and that's fine. But you want to take away all of those, all that pressure to sound a certain way because you just want to, you, Jesus knows your heart. I always mm. tell the kids, you know, he, he already knows. So you're just helping to train your thoughts um, and get yourself focused on, on him. He, he already knows that. You know, something about the, the um, folding your hands and bowing your head and that sort of thing, When one of the ways that we approach it um, is we talk about, why we bow our heads and part of that comes from for me the imagery comes from when uh, Jesus died on the cross mm. and one of when he when he died I just envision 
that right before he said, Father, why have thou forsaken me? And he bows his head. And I just, I think of prayer as being this humble submission, this acknowledgement that Christ died for our sins. And when we bow our heads, it's, it's a way of saying, I'm coming before you humbly. And the kids understand that in, in their own unique way. And they, because the idea is that we connect those two to, to Christ, that we make sure everything points back to Christ, that it's not about us. Mm. It's always about him. Um, and they get that. And that's kind of helps them be reverent. Uh, in a, in a first graders way yeah. of being reverent, which is yeah. a little crazy town, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay too. <laughs> so prayer, and then what's next? Usually, we go into once you kind of have that idea that Jesus isn't scary, that he's not this magical creature, um, because you talk to him, kind of thing. And then a lot of times we move into things like. Um, understanding biblical stories in context, which is extremely important. And so this idea a lot of times is that, uh, and we might accidentally tell our kids this, that when you become a Christian, when you ask Jesus into your heart, you know, you feel good and life is happy and you, and all these wonderful things and you're blessed, but we know that's not always true. The the fact of the matter is um, we are going to face as many storms as anybody else. We just have, we have a boat to climb into, mm. right? And so it's the idea that it's not just going to be this perfect road. I make sure the kids understand when we look at a story about Joseph, when we when we read a story about Samson, when we when we talk about the journeys that Paul takes, we understand that Joseph was imprisoned. He was falsely accused. His life was challenging at the very least. Samson failed over and over and Mm. over again. And God kept giving him more and more chances. And he literally died trying to connect back with God and doing the right thing. Um, Well, that's not like a happy story um, because it's not about happiness. Mm. Um, It's something more. And then even Paul, Paul being persecuted, being stoned, being rejected, being distrusted. These are things we don't often associate with Christianity. Mm. So it's helping the children understand it's not about pretending everything's perfect. It's about an authentic relationship with God. And look at all of these examples in the Bible. You look at Ruth, and you look at mm-hmm. Esther, and you look at Mary, and you, you know, so because you, you blend all that together. So the next step for for me is often conversations with God, and then the discipleship builds to understanding store biblical stories in mm. context so they can relate to them. Because the last thing you want kids to do is to think the Bible is irrelevant. Mm. It's unapproachable. It's un- You can't understand. It doesn't make any sense. Um, or worse, it's presenting Bible stories in a way where everybody's happy in the end. And mm. it all works out. Yeah. See, guys, it all <laughs> works out. And then when it doesn't for them, they start to question things. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see a lot of things happening in in Christian children when they start becoming teenagers. Well, why doesn't everything feel right to me? Mm. Why don't I like myself? Why why do I think these suicidal thoughts even? I'm not really a Christian. Mm. That must be what's wrong. Mm. And we don't want that. So you try to prevent some of that by being very careful about how you present the word. And so to me, that's kind of that next growth step. Mm. We... I and before people say, "Oh, Joseph, you're you know," I got this from someone else, but <laughs> but the I I'll never forget that though the Greek, for 
for happiness. Mm. It comes from happenstance, and you're happy in your circumstance. I think that is we do that. We sell our we sell this in song. I mean, I see mm-hmm. it all over happiness, mm-hmm. and that that's something big that we have to to wrestle with mm-hmm. is because the world tells us happy, happy, be happy, yeah. But but what we we need to talk about you know not we but we talk about joy Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes we can kind of uh, misrepresent those two and Mm -hmm. think one is the other Mm -hmm. but they're two completely different things we we make them synonyms for one another um but they're not actually there's there's two different they need to be separated and both are wonderful Mm -hmm. i mean everybody wants to be happy yeah that's fantastic but you have to know that happiness is more of an emotion Mm. and just like anger and sadness and excitement are emotions that come and go and can cause you know you feel a little unstable with your emotions Um, everybody experiences a variety through the day but there's something that believers have Mm -hmm. that it runs deeper beyond our circumstances beyond how we feel uh, beyond what we're thinking about that day or what we're facing and that is that is a a joy Mm -hmm. that is unexplainable it's supernatural it doesn't make a lot of sense but it leads to peace Mm -hmm. and when you have joy that leads to peace that is because you're walking connected with Christ in a different way than the world might be. I can be happy on a beach in Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, I'm going to be happy there. But when I close my eyes, I may still feel like I'm not worthy or I'm inadequate mm. or I'm unattractive or I'm stupid. All of that negative self-talk is still there, even though I should be happy as a clam sitting on a beach in Hawaii. But if I don't have that that supernatural joy that leads to peace through Christ, none of that really matters. Mm-hmm. And you have to tell people that honestly. As as a pastor, as a leader, if you aren't selling the truth, people will figure it out. And then a lot of times what unfortunately starts to happen when they start to get to college age is they turn away from it mm-hmm. because it's not authentic. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what you want to avoid by just preaching what I would almost call toxic happiness. Mm-hmm. As it's, it's not really real. You know, um, one of the, and some of the saints aren't going to like this, <laughs> but one of my favorite artists that's not a Christian mm-hmm. would be Billie Eilish. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she does not sell this. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so important to be real, say, hey. Mm-hmm. And I think the church needs a little, not probably mm-hmm. not in that way, but yeah. but the church needs that. Hey, yeah, I'm not okay. Yeah, and that's okay to yes. not be okay. Yes, it, it's it's okay to feel your feelings and to and to uh, allow yourself that idea that uh, you know, okay, this is a hard circumstance. I'm grieving, or yes. I'm sad, or I'm feeling lonely. Those are all things that um, allow us an opportunity to surrender to God more, not um, not fake it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we do the fake it till you make it mm-hmm. kind of mentality. But what happens is we fake it till we break it. Mm-hmm. And we end up completely saying, you know what? This is not real and I don't want it. Whatever people, these, these Christians are peddling is false. Mm-hmm. And, and 
it is. If we're doing that, we're going to be happy. We're going to be protected. We're in a different world. It's not necessarily true. We're still humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's how we walk through those things. It's how we um, uh, spend our time in prayer and in, in scripture reading and with each other. And that creates community, again, which is super important for uh, for kids to know that they're part of bigger community than just themselves. That they have a place to belong and a place to be real and a place to express themselves and a place to ask questions. Mm. Because questions lead to faith growth, not not stripping away your faith. Sometimes we are avoid. Mm. We don't want to avoid. We want to we want to tackle those questions. I will say this on here he probably won't listen to it but but Carl in our group yeah he I have told people and I probably should tell him this too <laughs> be, but I have told I have we dad we talk a lot about I said he asked, he asks questions mm-hmm. he 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 knows what that means yeah because and that's it's so good because sometimes I think we can tend to lose yeah. Kids ask a lot of questions, yep. and as we tend to get older, sometimes I think that curiosity mm-hmm. can be pulled back from us. Yeah, it feels vulnerable, and yes. it feels like, oh, maybe I should know that. But the fact of the matter is, nobody can know everything. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean that's not even reasonable, yes. and we wouldn't ever think that in any other field in the world. We would never think, don't ask questions. You should know. But there's something about our Christianity and our faith communities where we feel like if we ask questions, it make it makes us look like we don't have uh, depth of knowledge or we haven't been discipled or we just don't know because we didn't pay attention. And we're very judgmental sometimes mm-hmm. and we have to we have to capture that thought and, and not allow ourselves to either to judge other people who ask questions or to be fearful and not ask questions ourselves because it hinders growth. Yes. You're always wanting to learn. If you're not learning, you're dead. Mm. I mean, it's over because learning is what keeps us alive and keeps us motivated, keeps us keeps us moving forward. And um, there's nothing that we should be moving forward with with more intention than our Christian faith. Yes. And that's questioning is beautiful. Doubt is even okay. Uh, and I tell our kids that too. It's okay to say, what is that story about? Yeah. The Bible has all kinds of crazy stories in there. <laughs> and it's okay to say. Yeah. Because they, they tell me all the time, Miss Mindy, what does that even mean? <laughs> sometimes I'm like, well, I don't know. Let, let me think about this for a second. Yes. And that's okay. And it's okay as adults for us to say, I'm not sure I completely believe that yet. And that's okay. Mm. God's not afraid of that. Jesus isn't intimidated by that. He is fine. Just keep going. The thing is, don't stop. Uh. Don't stop and say, I don't understand this, so I quit. Mm. I mean, we don't allow that in school. When teachers don't allow you to do that. If you're struggling with your math or you're struggling with your science, they don't say, well, you know what? I don't think you're ever going to get it. We'll just quit. (laughs) That's not what happens. So we shouldn't be doing it in our faith either, in in our church communities. One of my favorite books of the Bible is, well, one, it's short. But <laughs> two, it, it is Habakkuk. Oh, okay, yeah. Because you the wrestling mm. with God, him and God being coming back is so, mm-hmm. I, I love that. Um, uh, the Psalms, mm-hmm. I love the Psalms. Yeah. As Mark Lowry puts it, if 
David had Prozac, we would have never had some. <laughs> up, right. up, on, up and down. <laughs> Prozac would have leveled that out. But but I think it is important to mm-hmm. look at those people. Yeah. And and talking about kids, I think so another question that just popped in my mind mm-hmm. is how do you um how do you talk bring the old testament because mm. sometimes oh, that yeah. can be very difficult mm-hmm. for people to 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 digest because yeah. it's just so heavy it is it can be and it again i think you approach it with bite-sized mentality that you can't uh, some things are developmental. Mm-hmm. So, and I believe the Bible is a little bit like that too. There are some stories in the Bible that are probably better reserved for different times. And mm-hmm. so when you're when you're when you're teaching about um a topic or an idea, then the you sort of break it down a little bit. So kids if they're learning about forgiveness perhaps, um, then it's a good opportunity to pull in some different scriptures and different stories and talk about how people, you know, did, modeled forgiveness over time. But you always, I think it's very, very important that when you're teaching the Old Testament that the kids understand this is before Christ, mm-hmm. before the grace that we enjoy now, before the Holy Spirit was was part of us. And Jesus said, when I leave, I leave you a counselor. So it helps them to understand that they have something mm-hmm. that these Old Testament folks didn't have. They enjoy some a privilege in some ways of the Holy Spirit that an Abraham didn't have or a Moses didn't have. And I think you'd be authentic and you say, these people um, made mistake after mistake after mistake, but what you never see is God saying, you know what, Abraham, pat it with you. I think I'm done. Mm. Uh, Moses, um, I asked you to do this. You didn't do it. Um, I'm kind of done with you. But they do suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important with the Old Testament because I think, I think you see a lot of that cyclical stuff where there's a problem presented, there's mistakes made, there's suffering that happens, yeah. then there's redemption, and then there is a resolution of some kind. You sort of see that cyclical mm-hmm. um, idea the whole time through, and kids relate to that mm-hmm. because they have to deal with that all the time. They have a problem. They make a mistake. They try to figure it out. They Sometimes they get in trouble. And then there is restoration. But the idea is that you always, in everything, with, especially with the Old Testament, that you always bring it back to restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not making it all cheesy because we don't want to do that. But it helps the kids not feel um, scared or nervous mm-hmm. of God and who God is. Um, and I think that that's another very important thing when you're teaching the Old Testament is the character of God. Keep going back to it. Yes. Keep talking about who God is. Keep talking about his character and his unchanging love for us. And that's so much so that we always point to Jesus. Look what he did. Look what he ultimately did for us. And he allowed Jesus to come to earth to die, to suffer in our place. And you can't say that too much to children because they... Kids learn by repetition. Um, you'll see a kid play the same game over and over and over and over, and you're like, oh, my Lord, do we have to read the same story again? Do we have to do this same puzzle again? Yeah. But the answer is yes, because when they when they approach something and they are working through, they need the, the security of repetition to build the um, the uh, desire to keep moving forward, the, the, the uh, 
the comfort to keep moving forward and or security I guess is, is the better word and then once they sort of achieve it they move forward it's the same thing in our faith mm-hmm. that's so good <laughs> moving on not moving on but talking about I'm, I'm, I won't I'll never forget, well I probably will it's the same that's the same I I, Zach brought that to my attention one time, but something that I remember from this last uh, several Sundays ago, mm-hmm. we were talking in in Sunday school, and I'll never forget uh, bringing up. I brought up something about something was said, and then I said, um, "The altar is over here," and and before it was the altar was over here, and therapy and and uh psychology was over here mm. i mm. thought you could have heard a pin drop it was like <laughs> suck, the oxygen sucked out of the room but i i believe i believe that mm. um and i think you talked a little bit about that um if you remember did i because <laughs> i say all kinds of stuff <laughs> you're talking about how because i completely agree um, counseling mm-hmm. has been has been put on as you know we don't do we that don't do that right in the church. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that about the idea of um, of psychology and our faith, yes. like it, how those blend together. Y- yes, and I think I think sometimes because and the same thing happens with philosophy. Actually, um, they it's sort of. We look at it as secular mm-hmm. rather than spiritual, and yet we are made in God's image. Therefore, our brains are made in the image of God, and we have to take care of our brains. And and, and seeking counseling, seeking help, asking questions are all part of faith building mm. when it's done correctly. Um, not all psychology is the same. Uh, not all philosophy is created the same. Just because you learn about something doesn't mean you have to adopt it into your spiritual um, repertoire. Mm-hmm. There are sometimes you reject things because they don't fit yes. with biblical truth, and that's okay too. But being ignorant isn't isn't okay. You need to know it so that you can know what is truth and what is of the world and isn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, ignorance is, is a no-go in, in my mind. And I think that uh, psychology in particular is a very powerful way to tap into um, your spiritual growth and development, especially if you've dealt with any kind of trauma mm. or grief. Um, Sometimes we can't work it all out in our own heads. We're not qualified sometimes. Sometimes we're like, I'm at the end of myself. I don't yeah. know anymore. I don't know what else to do. And you need that um, that help and that therapy. And um, pastors sometimes are the worst because they feel like they should know all of it. And there's certain fields where it's like that, um, where you feel like I should just know everything. But you don't. And that's okay. And you don't have to try to pretend like your mental health if if you're struggling with your mental health that it's a, it's a lack of faith mm. that's not fair those mm-hmm. are things are not correlated yes. it's not it's that's not a good way to live your life um you look at the even the, the suicide rates and all of those types of things are even worse now and we have access to all kinds of mental health mm-hmm. but we're not taking advantage of it properly so i think that uh, those things can go hand in hand 
we were made in the image of God and our brains are made in the image of God. And mental health is okay to address and to deal with. It's not mean your lack of faith. Yes. And I, I, I think we're getting better in the church. I think we are too. I think we're progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. But you, you hear these articles. I hear, you know, mm-hmm. I heard this article the other day talking about how this pastor said, hey, I'm going to have to step down for a while. Mm-hmm. Mental health, you know, I just, I, I feel like I need to, to take some time off. Mm-hmm. And they let him go. Yeah. They said, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You 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 should have, you know, this is not something. We're not going to be able to support you, yeah. you know, through this is basically what. Yeah, and I I thought, oh. It's terrible. Sad. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and I think sometimes I told, I told a pastor friend because he was he preached about how he said hey I'm not together mm-hmm. he said he was and he was talking about some struggles that he was going through mm-hmm. and uh, on stage and I said thank you for doing that yeah I said because sometimes I think we tend to look at pastors mm-hmm. and say hey you you are it yeah you know you have, you, to have, it together. You have all the answers mm-hmm. but but you know to say, hey, I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm broken just like you. The only difference is I have a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. because, and and I think that can tend to, a lot of times, respect, mm-hmm. and saying, hey, I, 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 I can listen to this, mm-hmm. because I can think of people who, you know, the rough, farmers and the rough guys who say, oh. No, mm-hmm. I don't know. But when you tend to say, "Hey, you know, this is it. Mm-hmm. I'm open," and mm-hmm. I think people tend to listen. I agree with you, and I think that uh, being transparent and authentic is extremely important. If you are asking someone to listen to you week after week, and you are not being transparent and you are not being authentic and yet you are saying all of these things uh, from a a position of authority from the microphone kind of thing then um, you have a a responsibility I think that you you have to share Mm. from your heart that's part of being um, in relationship with God as well and I think it, it shows your the distance from God a lot of times the more opaque you become the more obtuse you become the more like I don't want to share that you're probably hiding something or feeling shame um, maybe it's something you're doing or, or maybe it's just how you're feeling uh, it just all depends but I think that authentic, authenticity and transparency from the pulpit is essential mm-hmm. and people do relate to it we don't need to know how perfect you are we need to know and we need to hear how we overcome the things we're all going to face mm-hmm. and we need that encouragement and that guidance that's from a place of real brokenness and then restoration because that's the story of Christ. Uh, that's exactly what he kept saying um, over and over again. You stay connected to me. I mm. am the vine and you are the branches. And that whole mentality, if we don't show that, um, I think it rings false. And and again, I think a lot of people choose to walk away from the faith because, because of that yes. authenticity. I'm I'm not gonna read all this. Oh, <laughs> air conditioner lights come on. Oh, that's air conditioner. I thought that was thunder for the Lord. It's Jesus, the King is coming. Well, he, 
right. So I don't know. It, it's kind of getting dark out there. You know, as a, we go to these gospel concerts, uh-huh. and and the um, the guy always says, "Isn't it good to be here at Sun Springs Baptist Church, where if the Lord came back, there's no better place to be." So we're here at the church, so there's no better That's place right. to be. You're safe, Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't. Want, I'm not going to read all this. But okay. but if you know. People listening and in Mindy, uh, listen to this song. I, I, the Lord was, um, I don't. He was just telling me, I guess, mm-hmm. last night, to bring this up. It sort of goes on what we were, what we have been talking about um, today, mm-hmm. and um, and it's called "I Then Shall Live." I then shall live as one who's learned compassion. Mm-hmm. I've been loved. I have been. I've been so loved. That I'll risk loving too. I know how fear builds walls instead of bridges. Mm. I'll dare to see another point of view. And when relationships demand commitment, then I'll be there to care and follow through. Your kingdom come around and through and in me. Your power and glory, let them shine through me. Your hallowed name, oh may I bear with honor. Um, the, and may your living kingdom come in me the bread of life oh may i share with honor and may you feed a hungry world through me mm. amen yeah, that's good and i heard this and i said you know the gospel makes sense that does but when you can but when we can say hey it doesn't it doesn't amount to hill of beans if we apply the gospel that makes sense and I, I think mm. we share, share, share. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, and I think also to that, you mentioned it, and I, sometimes we can tend to leave it air or dirty laundry. And I think <laughs> telling people, you know, in a close circle, mm-hmm. hey, this is what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. But on the pulpit, sometimes it's, it's it better to put, Mm-hmm. Or or share testimony. Mm-hmm. It's easier to say, "Hey," because sometimes I think putting it out there it's dangerous is sometimes. very dangerous. <laughs> it can be. Mm-hmm. It can be. Mm-hmm. One question. Um, I just thought of this. See, ADHD. <laughs> but um, with you being a teacher, a formal teacher, and a mm-hmm. and a pastor, how can we? Um, I I don't know. Probably parents are listening, but and or future parents. How can we help our children mm-hmm. without enabling them? Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes, you know, yeah. helping them and and can then we tend to maybe sometime go that route. Right. How can we you know help but not? enable yeah that's a great question because I think that um, when you're a parent nothing your kiddo doesn't come with an instruction manual mm-hmm. and you don't know um, all uh, all of the the dynamics of who they are and and how they think you sort of learn that as you go it's a it's a trial by error kind mm-hmm. of thing and you, you sort of figure it out but you know when I think about help but not enable. That's a that's an extremely important important parental concept that 
I, I, as a mom or as a dad, you want to help your kids. But sometimes what we do is we steal the struggle from them mm-hmm. right before they discover how to overcome it. And we do that because of a lot of fear. We don't want them to fail. And the idea is that if my kid fails, it's going to hurt them. But that isn't that isn't true at all. I would challenge that and I would say, you know, failure is uh, many failures will happen on the road to success. But I, I think it's Albert Einstein that said, if you don't, um, the, the person who never fails never tried anything new. And we want our kids to feel like failure is the beginning, not the end result. Mm. It is It is inevitable if you're pushing forward in life and it's okay to make mistakes and fail. It It's okay to say, man, I tried that and that did not work out right. What What can I learn? dialoguing with your kids, helping them understand that and letting them experiment a little bit in the world to figure out, okay, if I if I gossip about this person and uh, they give me a good smack on the face in the playground, I probably <laughs> ought not be doing that anymore. <laughs> but you know, it's it, you know, that's kind of a, a real relevant thing, but it, it's a lot it, it happens a lot even in um, their spiritual development and their emotional development. Mm-hmm. Let your kids fail. Mm. Don't rescue them every chance you get. I'm not talking about things that are unhealthy or unsafe. Those types of things are kind of obvious. You don't let your kid play with the electric socket or on the highway. (laughs) Those things are not good. But when when your kids are learning and growing and they want to try something new, maybe they're not going to be a, uh, you know, a concert uh, pianist but maybe they want to take piano lessons mm-hmm. and they want to try. Maybe they're not going to be Van Gogh, but they want to try to paint. Sometimes we're so afraid that our kids are going to fail that we that we step in and we interfere with that. And failure is all about learning how to make adjustments for to get to success. And I was telling you, and your math is kind of my background, and um, we would in class. Nothing makes you feel more dumb than mathematics. For some reason, it panics everyone. It's like super exposed. You feel horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you're when you're teaching math, kids that are very open and bright and 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 just share and have no problem clam up. And 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 you're like, what happened to you? You're a totally different kid. And it's because it brings out that insecurity. So it's a really great opportunity. Um, you in the classroom, you want to take advantage of that because it teaches. Um, perseverance and perseverance is extremely important for success but if you never fail you don't have to persevere mm-hmm. so nothing makes you feel more dumb than math so in math class we would we would do a, a lesson and we would kind of grade over some stuff and kids would be making mistakes all over the place and they would maybe they were writing some on their little whiteboards and they would show it or they would show their partner and we'd be talking back and forth and one of the things I would always say to them is okay Look at your problem. It's it's not correct, and that's okay. So, what adjustments can you make? Mm. What do you need to? What do you want to try next? Oh, maybe I need to add. Maybe I need to subtract. Oh, I put that in that digit in the wrong place value. Okay, I'm going to try this because the idea is that there is beauty in the struggle. Mm. The idea is that you've got to struggle to win it, mm-hmm. and and if you don't, if we steal that from them as parents, then they don't understand perseverance. Perseverance is what will lead to success, but failure is the beginning of perseverance. 
when you watch a child learn how to walk, how many times they fall. Mm. I mean, it's almost. Anyway, <laughs> they fall so many times, you're yeah. like, come on, get it together. <laughs> it's just one step in front of the other. But they fall, they get frustrated. And the human brain reacts beautifully to frustration because out of that frustration comes learning. And out uh-huh. of learning comes building that bridge to get where you want to go and that success. And so I say probably the very simplest advice let your kids experience failure in the safety and security of your loving care. Let them feel that and then teach them how to grow from it. And it leads into all kinds of things, uh, academic growth, psychological growth, and most importantly, spiritual growth and mm-hmm. development. Yes, <laughs> that is good. Another a song that, that comes to mind is never yield a step uh, never yield a step in the hottest fight. Mm-hmm. God will send you help in the something something in Jehovah's might. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you in Jehovah's might something something. <laughs> you will wear a crown at last. Overcome. Never yield a step. I think that is so important. Mm-hmm. Overcome. You can overcome yeah. because uh, when we lose that. Fight when mm-hmm. we lose that. I think that can be in for you know in mm-hmm. in adults. I think that can tend to lose to yeah. depression. Yes, and then that leads to All some more serious kinds of things. Yeah. stuff it's down a very the road. Slippery slope. Mm-hmm. But when we say we can overcome and starting that out early, early, and letting them know that it's you might not do it right the first mm-hmm. hundred times. You may you may fail at something. It takes what do they say? Uh, Ten thousand hours of practice to master something, um, and it's, it's something like that. And you think that's a lot of time and dedication. But when you are able to get from novice to mastery of something, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of self esteem that is built into into that too, and it creates resilient people. Mm. It's okay that I don't know what I'm doing right now, but I I'm going to keep going at this because I feel like this is my calling in life, or I feel like this is the direction the Lord is leading me, um, and it it just makes you much more willing to. Um, to fight for what you want, uh, not necessarily fight, but but persevere and keep going after, after what you think the Lord has for you in life. Because we have to remember, He wants good for us, mm-hmm. and it says that in the Scripture. That, <laughs> that I don't know what's happening. Might be a storm around here, <laughs> um, but you know He works all things for the good for those that serve Him. And we have to remember that last part because that's important. But yeah, that's I think that that's super valuable for parents and probably the scariest parental lesson I had to learn as a, as a mom. What are some things we've had a year? Oh yes, a, a year and a half. <laughs> year and a half but, it feels like uh, it's going on forever. I <laughs> uh, know. I tell people I would say, man, these last nine years have been awful. <laughs> but exactly. But what? Some what have what have you learned through oh, this last boy. several last year and a half, or you know, if you yeah. want to go further, yeah, you can. it's been rough. It's been rough in ministry in particular, uh, and um, you know, it was one week we were here, and then listening to the radio and realizing that everything was going to change next Sunday. It wasn't going to be the same kind of Sunday. 
And it was literally, you know, that six days later and the entire world shut down. Mm. And as pastors, and especially um, at our church in particular, we had zero capability of doing anything virtual. We did not know what we were doing. And we had five or six days to figure it all out. And it was um, a very hard turn for us. And we learned through trial and error. And uh, the, you, we just got to watch the Lord bring things together over and over yeah. again. And that just kept us going. But I'll tell you, I think that probably one of the biggest things, um, besides completely redoing everything I ever knew about how to do ministry, um, especially because I'm dependent on parents. Mm-hmm. It's different when you're in, in just adult ministry uh-huh. and adults get to choose to turn on the computer. Uh-huh. Uh, children don't have access like that. So it became a very, a very incredible partnership and trust building exercise uh, between myself and my parents, my, my families, and um, to, to build that encouragement into them uh, and that discipleship was important. And I think that's something that um, I was able to learn and hopefully teach out to our families was that you can disciple your kids too. Mm. You're qualified. Mm-hmm. You're good enough. You're smart enough. Yes. You love them so much and you can disciple them in your home. I'm going to give you the tools because that's my job. You don't need to figure it all out. Let me resource you and then go at it. Just do it and it's going to be fine. And a lot of my parents came back and were like, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. But I trusted it and I tried it. And these are the things that happen. And these are the questions my kids began to ask. And we had, um, you know, a couple of kiddos that accepted Christ mm-hmm. um, through all of this virtual stuff. So the Lord can work through anything. <laughs> Listen, that is one of the biggest lessons I think I've learned um, is that the yes. Lord can work through any avenue that we allow him to and just uh, break down those walls and just try it. And uh, I think the second thing I probably learned that has stuck with me the most, even as we've come back together, is how important community is. Mm-hmm. It can be, I have a wonderful family, and I love my family. Um, I have, uh, you know, three um, teen. well, I got two teenagers and then a 20-year-old, a <laughs> 21-year-old. How does that happen? <laughs> but uh, that we, we live at home, and we're, we, we get along real well. I know that's not the situation for everybody, mm-hmm. and, and coming home is... It's probably the, some, uh, the most scary place for some kids. That was a little hard for me to deal with and think about um, was how tragic that probably was for a lot of families. But I was blessed, and, and we love being home. But there's something very valuable about our, our Christian community at large and the mm-hmm. larger group. And the and, uh, longer we were away from that, the more... And the more I realized how important that was, the coming together, the ironing, sharpening iron, mm-hmm. uh, or the iron, sharpening iron, and the idea that when you're together and you're exchanging ideas, that it, it grows your faith and how important that time is. Mm-hmm. The, a church attendance is, is as cheesy as that sounds um, and old fashioned, which is okay. Coming to church matters. It changes your mindset, and it puts you with people who challenge you, hopefully. <laughs> and it, it allows you to grow spiritually in a way that you probably aren't going to do on your own. Yes. Um, and that's why we need to remember why Acts, the Acts Church was the way that it was mm. and need to continue to emulate that. Um, and so that was a big um, reassuring thing for me as a pastor, I think, but also um, a reiteration of, why we come to church 
Uh, we saw a great falling away. Mm-hmm. Listen, Eastland hasn't recovered from that. Um, the There's been a lot of people that have not returned to church, and the statistics say that up, up to two-thirds will not return to organized church. That's a lot of people. If you think about that nationwide, let alone worldwide, we're talking about millions of people mm. turning away from the church community for one reason or another. And this pandemic has just allowed that opportunity. And um, it's a it's tough pill to swallow as pastor. It's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. But it helps it helps us to focus in on building a church community where people feel so desperate to be there Mm. it's so it's such a drawing place it's where they want to come and they can't wait to be there we have to create that atmosphere Mm -hmm. for people and how valuable and important it is to be together and to make it as good and a positive experience as possible with uh with authenticity and challenging you know i um i heard this story uh bill was talking about bill gaither was talking Mm -hmm. about how he went to church one Sunday morning, and it was just, it was about, uh, it's interesting. He said a small church, and it was like 100 and 200. I thought, oh, wow, <laughs> oof, not, I don't know. I don't know. But when him and Gloria sat in the back, and uh, the singing wasn't all that great. The Well, I'm sure compared to what he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> the preaching was was okay. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't anything special. Uh-huh. Then they got to the end of the service and uh they said uh can Bill and Mary Jo come Oh, I am not going to cry <laughs> on but Bill and can Bill and Mary Jo come up. Uh Bill is going to have some tough surgery this week. Mm. Can the body come around and and uh, pray? Mm-hmm. And he said, "We saw that community come together. Yeah, yep. For the for for Bill and Mary Jo, mm-hmm. who was going to suffer? Yep. He said, "This is the church. That's right. This that cannot die. That's right. And mm-hmm. so I I think that community, yes, that is so important because that cannot die. That's you can't right. keep that." That's right. From happening. That's exactly right. And that everything about the presentation of the church is you want quality and you want to strive for excellence, but you that is not the ultimate goal. Yes. The ultimate goal for any church, no matter what size, is connectedness with one another, walking the walk with each other and being there for one another, being there for the surgeries, being there for the deaths, being there for the, uh, the births, being there for the baptisms. Mm. And encouraging one another and walking next to one another. When someone is suffering from depression, that we reach out and we and we love that person the best way we know how. When someone is uh, recovering or hurting, whatever's going on, if we just turn our backs, that is not the Christ community and that is not the Acts Church. That is that is just like anything else, any other institution in the world where we get too busy and we don't have time. There should be none of that in the church. There's no there's no place for um, selfishness and ignoring and all of that has to go away if we're to emulate the best we can, heaven's community. Um, and that's that's part of our goal. That's what the church is supposed to be trying to create is a, is a place for people to come together, to walk with each other through life's ups and downs. 
Otherwise, uh, life's too hard. Mm. It's too hard to do alone. And nobody should be living life alone. Mm. And if you see somebody living alone, invite them to church. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mindy, thank you so much for yes, your time. Yes, sir. Thank today. you. Yes. It's a privilege. Yes.